more or less the same thing? Generally, I don't know. As the terms are used in general, information uh, means the broadest range of stuff that you might learn. Whereas knowledge traditionally in the West for 2,500 years has been the set of, let's say, information or ideas that are both true and that we are justified in believing. We don't believe in them accidentally or by guessing, but we had good reason to believe them. That notion of knowledge has been formative in our culture for millennia. It's been taken as the human destiny. We are the creatures that know our world, and it's our human destiny and essence and fulfillment to know our world. And in the age of the network, it is changing its meaning and its importance quite radically. Well, that would be worth pursuing then. So what what does knowledge mean now that it didn't mean, uh, I don't know, a decade ago before we were so networked? I think we are losing our sense that there is a sort of canon of knowledge that we can pin down, settle, and be confident of. The most important thing that's going on as knowledge takes on the properties of the Internet is that it doesn't consist simply of content that's being put out there. Rather, it's content that's in discussion. That is, it's it's linked webs, nodes that are linking to one another, each node deciding what they want to link to. So it's not top-down, it's totally bottom-up. And knowledge lives in the disagreements that are expressed by the links. Rather than having a nice, stable, settled, final idea that it's only knowledge when everybody agrees about it, the most interesting and important knowledge now is on the web and exists in these webs of difference and disagreement. You have a fascinating comment in your book. You you say that this emerging web of information is actually a more accurate representation of human life. Yeah, I, I think that helps explain why we have flocked to the web with so much enthusiasm. We recognized in our culture that much of what we had been told about knowledge was never really possible for human beings. To settle issues once and for all, to drive out all disagreement, to, to know our world, that's a wonderful ideal. It's a noble ideal, but it's not something we ever could do. And so the Internet expresses some things that I think are, in fact, more human about knowing, that it's a social activity, that it's never settled, that it is always collaborative, it is so deeply contextual and collaborative, that it's open-ended, the topics have no lines around them. And one of the most wonderful things, which is that the world turns out to be way, way more interesting than anybody ever told us. We can now explore these ideas following links all the way down to the, sort of the, the molecular level of, of ideas if we want to. The world turns out to be just way more interesting than the old narrow regime could let on. Now, we have talked about uh, whether we're suffering from information overload. You say we are not. And in your book, you, you quote Internet scholar Clay Shirky as saying, it's not information overload, it's filter failure. Yeah, well, so, so I think Clay Shirky's way of putting it is, is wonderful, and he's trying to give us a little consolation. We should not, if I may paraphrase, we should not freak out about information overload because, yeah, we have had that before. And really all that's going on is that we need to adjust the filters because there's always too much information. We're always filtering. And the nature of filters changes in the digital world. If you are a publisher and you're filtering out the manuscripts you're not going to publish, you throw them away. You send them back. Nobody ever sees them again. They're completely inaccessible. Online, digitally, that's not how filters work. We don't filter things out. We filter some things forward. So whatever it is we're featuring in our blog or tweet or whatever, we're filtering that forward, we're linking to it. But all of the other things that we didn't link to 
are still there and completely accessible and might turn up in the next tweet or the next Google search or whatever. So it sounds like you're saying that to be basically a person who is able to navigate in this new world, a lot of it is knowing which filters to trust. Yes. I mean, that's always been the case, though, right? So you chose which newspaper you're going to read. Of course, now we have a far wider range of, of filters, many of which are terrible and we shouldn't believe, but they're there, and some of which are fantastic. And we have the ability to sort of filter the filters and to filter the filters through the filters. We, we have a much more fluid environment. But it seems that it's even more complicated than this. I mean, sort of at one level, kind of at the obvious level, there are, you know, which websites do we go to? Which websites do we trust? But there's a, there's a far more subtle process at work here as well, and that's how we use search engines. And, of course, the vast majority of us use Google. But Google is its own filter. Most of us probably don't even think about that. You know, we sort of put the bottom.